Galatians 6, verses 11 to 18. These are the final verses of Galatians. And so for the final verses of Galatians, we have a sermon entitled, In the Beginning. (laughs) All right. So let's read it, and then we'll dive in. This is what Paul says starting in verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may, be, uh, that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But... Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts uh, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but this is what counts, a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. That's how Paul finishes up his letter to the Galatians. And we know that so far it's been a corrective letter. It's been Paul's most like forward letter. He's not really sugarcoating stuff sometimes when he's calling him a couple times, oh, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Like, are you dumb? You're not getting it? Why are you living this way now when you started out this way? However, in the midst of all of that, like, correction, What we need to understand is Paul's deep, deep love for the people of the churches of Galatia. And the way that we know this deep, deep love is that Paul is not writing to them in the flesh to correct them. He is instead writing to them in the spirit to correct them, right? And in the midst of the spirit, what comes out is a deep truth that is not ashamed of truth, yet also a deep love that is not ashamed to love. Right? Um, There's a correction that's coming from these Judaizers, but this correction that they're offering is a correction of the flesh. They say, I want to correct the way you behave. I want to correct the manners and customs that you do. However, their correction to the churches of Galatia, and perhaps the church of Galatia or the churches and the people of them are a little bit naive. So maybe they're just soaking up these words. Okay, this is what we got to do as a Christian now. This is how we got to behave. This is what we got to do with ourselves. We got to eat this way. We got to circumcise ourselves. We got to rest on this day. And maybe perhaps they're naive. But maybe perhaps, as Paul calls them, they're being foolish. However, that correction is coming from the flesh. And Paul's correction is coming from deep, deep love. And his correction says this. This is how we know that it's born of the spirit and not born of the flesh in his correction. Because the point of his correction is keep trusting in the gospel. 
right? The correction from the Judaizers was coming at him saying, hey, trust in yourself, trust in your flesh, trust what you're able to do in your own works. But Paul's correction was saying, keep trusting in the gospel and don't let go of that because you once started in the gospel and now you've gone awry. You've gone this other direction where you just started like believing in yourself and trusting only in you and I can't trust people and I can't form relationships and I can't love people and I can't surrender and I can't pray and I can't do all this stuff because it all depends on me and my salvation is now my job. Right? That's where they went. And we know, like we see this this love that Paul is demonstrating in his correction when he says this in verse 11. Uh, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand with my own hand. So Paul, in the midst of like articulating this letter to a scribe, he says, All right now, put the pen down, scribe. I'm taking this. I am seizing the pen. And I am writing this with my own hand in large letters because it matters that much. Now, if Paul didn't care about them, he wouldn't have seized the pen. He just would have got the words out. And the only point of writing this letter is to correct and let go. And they'll do what they do and who even cares. But so that I can show my affection for you, let me myself seize the pen and finish writing this letter with my own hand. That's how much this means. And see, there's something that happens in life uh, just as we begin to experience pain, right? Um, For the most part, uh, children are excluded from pain. And we as adults go to great lengths to exclude children from pain. Because they're so young and they're so innocent that they don't deserve to feel pain, right? And they're able to enjoy this sheltered childhood where their imagination can run free and when they can run and play and giggle and laugh and give selflessly and not have to worry about getting in return because all of their needs are met and they're cared and concerned over and there's just this freedom that comes from childhood that gets lost as we become adults. What Paul is saying is that you started like little children in the gospel. You just believed openly and willingly and you had this great experience with God where he spoke to you and you believed in him and you worshipped him and there was nothing in between you and it was great. But then maybe something came along like pain and the res- your response to the pain was... Okay, let me manage the pain. Let me control the pain. Let me control the thing that is causing the pain. Let me take matters into my own hands. And let me, let me start to control. Let me start to do. Let me start to control people so that they can't cause more pain. Let me start to control conversations so that something uncomfortable can't be said. Let me start to control scenarios and places and things and times and events and if I can control then I can minimize the pain and then my life all of a sudden becomes I become a pain manager right and and there's this loss of innocence and there's this moving away from the the childlike faith of just simply believing in Jesus and trusting in the gospel and just running up to him freely and all of a sudden we start pulling back from Jesus himself because we don't trust Jesus and we say, hey, what if, 
this pain that I experienced over there? What if Jesus can do that to me? I don't want that from Jesus, so I'm going to self-protect and build calluses over my heart from Jesus himself. And that intimacy between me and him, that's gone. In this heart in here, it's no longer a soft heart of flesh that's childlike and just believes and trusts. It's a heart of stone that says, I am in control of my own destiny. So we all know what pain feels like. It stinks. And we all play the game as human beings of pain avoidance, right? Whether we're Christians or non-Christians, like pain is just across the board for everybody. Everybody experiences it. Pain, tragedy, hardship. And people play the game of pain avoidance and they use things to numb the pain and to run away from the pain and they zone out to TV or movies or lose themselves in a book or they waste time in a relationship so that I don't have to remember or think about the pain and it never comes back to my memory because I'm constantly playing the numbing game. And my whole life like turns into a game of staving off the disaster of life falling apart because the pain will draw a fatal wound. However, the gospel says that the way to do this whole thing is to go through the pain and not to avoid the pain. The gospel says, hey, pick up your cross and go through the pain even when it hurts and the more it hurts the more you walk into it because the more you walk into that pain if you're walking with Jesus and you're carrying his cross and you're walking in obedience to him the closer you walk to the pain the closer you walk to Calvary so the gospel says hey go through the pain Don't minimize it. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend like it doesn't exist. And don't avoid it. Don't numb yourself to it. Feel it for all that it's worth. And when you get down to the depths of it, you go, "Hmm, man, this right here, this is sweetness of communion with Jesus. This pain, the exquisite pain. And then we start to ask, like, When you deal with the pain, or how you deal with the pain, shows whether in life you are a substantial person or a superficial person, right? Substantial means like you have substance, you have something below the surface. There's something there, there's depth to you, there's understanding and meaning and wisdom. And any type of pain that you may have experienced in your life, the Lord uses it and transforms it because you've borne your cross with him and you walked with him to the grave. You also came out of the grave with him to life. And any type, you can tell people in life who have experienced a great pain and walked through also the healing process that comes from like resurrection because those people have like a sweetness and a compassion and like a sensitivity about life and they also have an understanding. Those people can empathize. They can walk in your shoes for a little while. Um, they are substantial people. And when we have relationships and friendships and families and all this stuff, isn't what we're always looking for is substance? 
We want something to be there that when we say something, they say something back. When we feel something, they feel something back, right? We want substantial relationships. But sometimes they're just, they're superficial. And a superficial relationship is marked by, like, just that lack of substance, that lack of something being there, that when you put input, it gives back. When you say something, that relationship responds. When you feel something, they feel back. Like, like none of us want that superficial relationship. And what is going on with these Judaizers and the people who are working for the law to earn their salvation is they're living superficially and not substantially. Paul says this in verse 13. Those people who are circumcised and they're telling you to be circumcised, they're not even keeping the law themselves. And you're like, what is this? Everything you say, you tell me to do something and you don't do it. You're superficial. You're just looking on the outward appearance. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Like, I don't like this superficiality. I don't like this fakeness. I don't like have to put on a mask or a front or a show every time we talk. I don't have to want to have to pretend like everything's okay. Or when everything is okay, I don't want to have to hold it back and like, like uh, withhold my joy that's overflowing right now. Because uh, you're for fear that you're going to judge me for my joy. Superficial versus substantial. And the point is, like, in life, there's pain. That's life. That's the world. Um, But the gospel tells us, go through the pain. Don't avoid the pain. Because when you go through the pain, you walk with the cross. Solely and wholly through the cross. And that's where you find Jesus. You find him on Calvary. The gospel is that, like, pain, pain isn't pointless. Pain takes you somewhere. Pain takes you to Calvary. And the cool thing about Christianity and the gospel and walking through all this is that there's not emptiness and superficiality when we get to Calvary. Like, Jesus is right there. Any pain that we think we have or have experienced or we think it's too much for us to handle or my life is over and this is, this is the fatal one. I'm never going to get up from this one. Any pain that threatens to be that, Jesus has walked farther down that road. And if we ever hope to experience the resurrection life, which is real life, we have to go through the path of going through the pain. And some people don't even speak the name of Jesus and he's like a taboo and they avoid him altogether and anybody who might threaten to talk to them about Jesus or like spread love into their life, they'll avoid that person because they're playing the game of pain avoidance. And it's not that person and it's not that they don't like them, it's that they're running away from Jesus himself. And if that person claims to know Jesus, they'll run away from that person. And then Paul says this, which is a little weird. He said, the world is crucified to me and I to the world. And you're like, what does it mean that the world is crucified? Um, What he's saying is that 
the world has crucified me and I'm crucified to the world, meaning what the world has to offer doesn't matter to me anymore. And it can't do anything to me anymore because I'm so lost and so wrapped up in Jesus that that world can't hurt me anymore because I've walked through the pain. And all of a sudden, pain is no longer this major threat that I will never step a toe in that water. It's okay. And it's fine for me to continue walking in this because the world is crucified to me. Any pain that it throws out, it's okay. That just brings me closer to Jesus. And that's all I really want. Right? And I'm crucified to the world, meaning I'm... I'm not looking for what I can gain from this world. I'm not looking for the approval of man. See, these people who are operating in the flesh and not even keeping the law themselves, they're operating not crucified to the world. They're operating so that they can gain the approval of the world. So that the world can look at them and say, wow, good job, well done, you did it. And the Bible says, like, If that's what you're working for, like, that's your reward. You got it. Hope that serves you well in eternity, right? Like somebody, somebody like clapping for you a million years ago. The point is, stop caring what the world thinks. Stop caring what man thinks. Stop judging the value of your life based on what the world says and thinks. And if they change their opinion, you change yourself. Right? That's what these Galatians are. That's, what, that's their foolishness. That's what they're doing. They're changing themselves and they're behaving differently. And they're becoming a different person because somebody said, hey, you got to do this, say this, jump this high, wear this. And they're like, okay, oh my gosh, I got to, am I okay yet? Right? And it's not like this, like gospel-centered, self-conscious, self-confidence, where I'm just comfortable in my own skin because I'm just good with Jesus and I know how he feels about me. It's like this overly self-consciousness that I'm constantly changing at the whims of the world. And if that's the case, if we're not crucified to the world and the world crucified to us, then the world has power over us. The world can dangle power over us and can control us by what it says, does, or thinks. And the point of this is all is when it comes to pain, when it comes to like the the struggle of faith, don't hide. Don't hide. Instead, run. But not like run and hide. Like run into it, run toward it, run forward, keep going. You fell down, get back up, keep going, run. Run like you mean it. Another way I could put this, run, is follow Jesus by faith. It's just that simple. 
And that's what the Galatians lost sight of, and that's what we need to remember. It's like, did we turn this whole gospel experience and this whole Jesus encounter and like, oh my gosh, I love you and my hands are like 12,000 feet in the air because I'm lifted off the ground and the angels are carrying me into the third heaven. And then like you turn it into like now the world has power over you. All I care is about people's opinions. Like I'm hiding from people. I'm hiding from the world. Is that what it turned into when initially it was just this childlike faith and you weren't so self-conscious? Like, we never grow past, no matter how much we grow up, we never grow past just following Jesus by faith. And Paul says back in the beginning of chapter 5, it's, it's for freedom that you've been set free. What does that mean? Like, it's for freedom that you've been set free. It's just for the sake of freedom that you've been made free. So you're free to enjoy. I don't know. I know some Christians who think enjoyment is a sin. Can't enjoy, can't laugh, can't have fun. Enjoyment is a sin. Jesus invented enjoyment, so get out of here. You know what? We're free to enjoy. We're also free to live. All of a sudden, if we stop following the gospel and just following Jesus by faith and just running after him with this childlike innocence, we stop living. And the world starts having control over us. And what people say, do, and think dictates our life. And all of a sudden, we operate as a slave of the whims and opinions of people. Don't do that. It's dumb. When we're free... We're free to live and just live and just be ourselves and just be who Jesus called us to be and just operate in our gifts and just love people and not wait for like if people are going to accept our love, but just go be that substantial friend to someone. And along those lines, free to love. Like not waiting for people to say it's okay for you to love, but just free to love. Like could you imagine like... I feel like some of us might think, I think this sometimes, like I have to store up love like it's a savings account because if I don't store it up, then maybe there's going to be some day down the road where people don't love me and then I'm going to have to fall back on my life savings of love, right? I've been stowing away a little at a time so that I've got this stuff built up in my account. It's my retirement, right? Don't save up love like you're going to retire on it Give love away like you're made of it. Right? Remember when your parents would say, like, you would ask for money, and you're like, they're like, what do you think, money grows on trees? And you're like, yeah, give me some. Right? Be that way with love. Love does grow on trees. It's a tree called Jesus. Boom. Give it away like you're made of it. Or as if he put himself in you, and it comes out of you like you're the tree. Give it away. Like any amount of love that you give away is never going to return void. It's always going to produce good in any situation, in any relationship. And if we're looking for that instant, like we're trying to get something out of the way that we, if there's strings attached to the way that we love people, and we're probably always going to be disappointed because we're looking to get something back. But just give it away, like don't even care. 
And what happens is not the feedback from that person that becomes your joy, but the refilling of your love to overflowing from Jesus that is your joy. Free to enjoy, free to live, free to love. And Paul says, I bear the marks of Jesus on my body. Right? Which leads me to believe, like, he, he means he actually bears the scars that Jesus had on his own body. Like, when Jesus got whipped, Paul got whipped. Right? When Jesus got spat on, Jesus... Paul got spat on. When Jesus got nailed to a cross, Paul got nailed to a cross. When Jesus hung on the cross, Paul hung on the cross. This is the life of participation that we are called to in Christianity. And it's called obedience. You hear those people who, the Judaizers, they're saying do this, but they're circumcised and they don't even keep the law themselves. Those people, they don't carry the cross of obedience. They'll tell you what to do and they'll correct you all day long, but they won't obey themselves. They won't carry, because sometimes obedience hurts and sometimes it feels like you're dying and sometimes it feels like you're being nailed to a cross. Sometimes it sucks, right? Obedience, man, leaves a bad taste in my mouth, right? No. Those people don't know how to obey they just need they just know how to tell you how to obey and you ever feel like hypocritically corrected by those people and you're like i you tell me to wipe my face and you got spaghetti sauce everywhere right you don't bear the weight of the cross so why would i follow you what paul's saying is Hey, listen, I know what it's about. You can follow me. You can listen to me. I'm telling you this because I love you. I picked up the pen in my own hand. I bear the scars of Christ on my very own body. That's why I'm telling you this. Because obedience in the short run hurts and feels like dying. But in the and once we learn the taste of obedience is the sweetest tasting thing that's available anywhere. And what Paul's talking about, and this is like not a good word in our day and age, right? This is almost like a cuss word in our day and age. Commitment. All right. How dare you tell me to not keep my options open and have an escape hatch at all times, right? Commitment, stick with one thing, one person, one relationship, one Jesus, one stick with, commit, stay there, lash yourself to the mass, don't go anywhere, stick it out. And that's what produces a life filled with substance, and holiness and reverence and fruit that was like born out of Eden. Commitment. And that's what Paul is saying. Commit to this whole gospel thing. 
When it hurts, stay committed. When you have to bear the cross, stay committed. Because the end of this road is the best road that you can travel down that this world has to offer. It's what he's calling the Galatians to, what he's calling us to, is nothing more than the gospel life. All he's saying in this whole letter is, listen, churches of Galatia, I just want you to live the gospel together. Live it out. Do it. Be committed. Do the hard things. Because when you walk that path and when you travel that journey, the end result is new creation. Right? He says, For neither uncircumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. It doesn't matter if you've got this style or that style, or if you obey this commandment or that commandment. Like, if you're just walking the path of Jesus... The whole point is new creation. And you can't get to new creation without following Jesus. I want you to live out new creation together. And the result of that is that you're going to be someone new, someone brand new entirely. You're not going to be the same anymore. Get over it. You're not that cool to begin with. That's what he's telling them. You're going to be someone brand new entirely. You're going to be transformed. You can't do the Christian life without being transformed. This whole thing, it begins in grace. And it sounds like for the Galatians, they begun in grace. But they tried to be perfected in the flesh. He's like, you foolish Galatians. Why would you take what started in the spirit and try to perfect it in the flesh? Doesn't work. Stop it. They begun in grace and they had that childlike innocence of just trusting Jesus, just following, just worshiping him, just obeying him. It's so fun. And then they like, like turned inward and became self-centered and turned to this darkness and like... Like, listen to lies. and They tried to perfect it in the flesh. However, the Christian life is only and exclusively perfected in grace. There's no other option. It's just grace. And that's not even that bad of a deal. I mean, come on. It's freely given. It's a gift of grace. You're getting what you don't deserve. Why would you try to deserve something? Why would you go try to make yourself good enough for the gift? He is giving you the gift. Stop. Stay right there. Stop running in circles. You're going to be okay. Here's some grace. <laughs> That's what Paul's trying to tell the churches of Galatia like, knock it off. Grace. Christian life, this new creation, all of this, the gospel life, it's begun in grace, it's perfected in grace, and we live through grace. We become people scarred by grace. That's what Paul's saying. The cross is grace. Jesus filled with overflowing grace. 
Stop trying to earn what you already have. It's like Jesus bought you Starbucks and you keep trying to give him the five bucks for your Frappuccino. And he's like, I don't want the five bucks. I already paid for it. And you're like, let me give you five dollars. And he's like, I bought you Frappuccinos every day from here into eternity. And you're like, you have that much money? And he's like, yes. (laughs) Can you imagine Jesus buying you Frappuccinos from here into eternity and you're trying to pay him back? (laughs) You're like, come on, just a little bit. And he's like, stop it. Just accept my gift. It's just grace. I don't need repayment. I'm not a superficial friend. I'm a substantial friend. So in the beginning, all right, in the beginning should remind us of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he looked and he saw and it was good. And the first day, and the second day, and the night, and blah, blah, blah. And then he created all the fishies, and the waters, and the stars, and the stuff. And then he filled it up. And then on the sixth day, he created man. And he looked, and he saw, and it was good. And then on the seventh day, he rested. In the beginning, everything was good. Everything was perfect. Everything was flawless. Like God walking in his garden, doing whatever he pleased creating whatever brought him more pleasure. And then he looked at man and he was like, nope, it's not good for man to be alone. What would make you happy, Adam? And he's like, well, something that's not like a rhinoceros or a giraffe. (laughs) He's like, okay, I got it. Give me one of your ribs. He brought, he created Eve to bring Adam enjoyment and make his life fuller and richer and have more substance. Unhindered by sin and disobedience and death, unhindered by this stuff. It was a garden filled to overflowing with life, abundance, happiness, enjoyment, pleasure, love, you name it. In the beginning. That's what he's saying is going to happen if you're in your life. If you just follow Jesus by faith. It's going to be like in the beginning all over again. You're going to be a new creation. The way that he created in the beginning, that's going to re-happen in your life. So we could say we're on an infinite journey. Let's do it together, right? There was this guy named David Needham who used to teach uh, at the college I went to. He used to teach the Psalms. Right? He had a psalms class. And I think he retired like the year before I started there. And I was so bummed because everybody's like, you got to take David Needham's psalms class, right? And he like wrote some books and the dude just got it. He knew what it meant to like walk with Jesus. And one day or two days, 
um, two days, he came and did chapel at our school. And um, I knew it was going to be a good chapel. Before, like, it, in the end, it turned out to be a, an amazing, like, life-changing chapel. Like, you wish you could have, like, had every one of his words that he said written on your soul. Right? One of those. But I knew that it was going to be a good chapel when he just waited for everybody to quiet down and he didn't say anything. And then he opens up with these words. You and I are on a forever adventure. And you're just sitting there like, oh, okay, what do you have to say? Right? Dude, it was crazy. But that's it. We're on a forever adventure. Stop trying to run off the track. Stop trying to hide. Stop trying to like pay Jesus back for his grace. Stop trying to do it. He's like, just sit there. Just enjoy it and just live and stop being under the control of people's opinions in the world. We're going somewhere. Do you trust me? And you're like, no. Trust him. That's the whole point of all this letter. The whole point of the book of Galatians. I think if you bought you brought Cheetos every day, I think you would trust him. Yeah. Why exactly? <laughs> Why are you not trusting Jesus when he buys you Frappuccinos every day? It's my personality. So the point is, just follow Jesus. That's it. Don't complicate it. Don't add anything to it. Just follow Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your abundant grace. We thank you for your sacrifice. We can't add anything to it. We're bound and determined that from right now on, we're going to stop trying to add anything to it. Your gift was perfect, and it was complete, and it was total. And God, we just live in front of the ocean of trust. And we're just ready to jump in. So God, as we jump in, as we believe you completely free for all, like just make something beautiful. Turn it into a new creation, just like Eden. Make us as we would have been in the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen.